What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back inside the UC Health Training Center for another edition of Broncos Now. Team reporter and host Sydney Jones here. And coming up on today's episode, former Broncos safety Nick Ferguson joins the show. He'll give insight and analysis surrounding the team and their win over the Texans. Plus, we'll hear from a couple players as they spoke to the media following Sunday's matchup. All that and more coming up. Here at the UC Health Training Center, the players had the day off. Therefore, there was no practice and no media press conferences. So for today's episode of Broncos Now, former Broncos safety and host of the Touchdown Denver podcast, Nick Ferguson is joining me here in the Broncos podcast studio to give his thoughts on the team. Nick, appreciate joining me here on the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. Always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, also, uh, that Touchdown Denver podcast, make sure you check out to the latest episode dropping tomorrow and on Thursday. We're going to uh, break down the upcoming Sunday night football game against the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, everyone check it out. Yes. I love it. Well, Nick, there's a lot to dive into here yes, following Sunday's is. game, Sunday's win over the Texans. So let's start by looking at the offense. You know, you know, they struggled in the red zone again this week. Too many penalties again. Just what were your overall thoughts on their performance and how do you think they fixed some of these miscues that we saw? Well, for me, uh, I thought they did a great job of moving the ball down the field. That's something that we did not see in the first half of the Seattle Seahawks game. So that was very promising. And while, you know, I I know and I understand the frustration of Broncos country when they look at this offense, but I'm still really optimistic about what their capabilities are. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the red zone. I get that, get to that in a second. But the biggest thing for me, they're shooting themselves in the foot. Like, uh, I think it was um, Montreal Washington got the end around. Yeah. Great pickup, uh, explosive play. Then it was a questionable call on Melvin Gordon for holding. I, I mm-hmm. still don't think uh, it was holding. You can go back there and you watch it. But it's just offsides, false sides, all these things that are derailing the offense. Because if you took all those penalties away, yeah. think about the, the amount of points that the Broncos would have scored. I know we can't look at right. the game in a if I would have, could have, but I am still optimistic about it. Inside the red zone, still is a problem. Now, I am pushing for reclassifying what the red zone is in this <laughs> case for the Denver Broncos, yeah. and here's why. When we look at Eric Sauber touchdown, yeah. I mean, that is what we classify as being the high red zone, mm-hmm. right? That's 20 to 25 yards going in. Yeah. The Broncos' problems are in the low red zone when you're talking about 10 to 5 yards, you know, going in. And the biggest struggle, and and, and once again, the frustration from the fans, they want to know, okay, well, if we're moving the ball well on the ground, why can't we run the ball in those short and long situations? Right. Talking to a lot of fans, that is kind of a major concern uh, for them. But I I still say, Sydney, that these are all things that are fixable, that they can fix. So I'm not really down on this team. You mentioned the run game, Nick. You know, Coach Hackett said on Monday that both Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon have been incredibly efficient. I mean, the run game's doing really well right now. Nick, what are your thoughts on those two guys? And, you know, how crucial do you think it is for this offense to really use them? Well, they've been running the ball well, and I know that's kind of uh, the solution. Hey, run the ball more. You know, you, you need to have balance in this league. You mm-hmm. just can't run it on every single play because right. now the defense knows what they you're going to do. Coming. They're going to put eight, nine men in the box, and they're just going to slow you down. So for us, for the Broncos, and what they have to do is they have to continue to work on that balance. You mentioned using the two running backs. 
Yeah. There are multiple ways to use the running backs instead of just handing it off. If you go back to the Seattle Seahawks game, I think it was Devontae Williams that had more receptions yeah, as a right. running back than mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon. So there's multiple ways to use the running back. Look at where Nathaniel Hackett came from, the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Jones, how he was utilized in Good the point. passing game, not just the running game. And your opponent you're going to face this Sunday Kyle Shanahan, which I'm really familiar with. Yeah. Guess how they use their running backs in the passing game. So, so you don't just have to hand it to them. You just have to come up with creative ways to get them more touches in the passing game. Right. Well, you know, we heard from head coach, excuse me, Nathaniel Hackett on Monday, and he addressed some of these game management, you know, miscues that we've seen over the past two weeks. You know, he really took the responsibility. He took the blame there. He said they need to make sure they their communication is more concise you know, it's clear. What are kind of your, all your thoughts on that and how he's handled the game so far? Well, for me, uh, I, I love it. And, and I know it's kind of crazy when I want to say this, but that's what you expect from your head coach. And the reason that I'm saying it, because think about what it was like around here for the past three years. Mm-hmm. We had Vic Fangio. And for me, every time something didn't go right, he was pointing the finger at everyone else yeah. except himself. So to finally have a coach who is standing up there, taking it on the chin, it's my fault. The play calling, all of it it is my fault. Uh, When it was mentioned to him about the booing from the fans, he was just like, yeah, I would have booed me too. Right. Right. So not too many coaches will do that, but I'm glad that he's doing it. He's taking ownership. And what that does is the fans may not like it, but I tell you what, it bodes well for him and his credibility inside the locker room because Mm -hmm. those players understand that they know that, they made some mistakes, jumping off sides and all the, the penalties. But right. here it is. You have your head coach standing up for you. He's not, you know, uh, kind of saying, okay, well, this guy did this, this guy did this. He was like, no, it starts and ends with me. Mm-hmm. And that's what a great head coach would do at the end of the day. And, Nick, I know you were at the game on Sunday. You talked about the fans booing. What did you think about them counting down the play clock? They've never seen that. No, I've never seen that anywhere yeah. where, where I've played. And it, it's, it was frustrating for me as, as a former player and mm-hmm. the guy who played here to see our fan base kind of, I don't want to say stoop to that low, but just kind of doing that. I understand yeah. you, you're all frustrated, but to me to boo the team and then to compound things by doing that, right. it, it's like, no, this isn't Detroit. This is not Cleveland, right? I know the fans are used to winning, but, hey, give this some time. We we, we do see some positives in oh, this yeah. offense, but if those drive-killing penalties did not take place, it would be a different type of attitude around here for Broncos country. Different game for sure. For sure. Well, Nick, let's look at the defense. You know, they picked up right where they left off from week one in Seattle. A dominant performance by them. They held the Texans to just three field goals. What was working so well for that unit on Sunday? Well, they were playing as a cohesive unit. Yeah. I had to go back to that Seattle Seahawks game that first half. Yeah. It looked like a preseason game for the most of the starters as they were trying to get their legs and build their chemistry. But on Sunday, it was different against the Texans. It just seemed like they came out with a different type of attitude. And then to know that for six straight quarters, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. they have not given up a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And I know they played Seattle and Houston, but still, oh. th- th- that you're in the NFL. That's hard. That, yeah. that is very hard to do. Right. So I tip my cap to a lot of those guys and Azure Everett from doing a great job. But here's a guy that I definitely want to highlight is Randy Gregory. Yeah. We didn't see him at all during the preseason. 
but he wrecked shop to me, even though he didn't just kind of, um, we didn't see a lot of sacks on the stat sheet. Mm-hmm. He was very impactful. Go fast forward to the game against the Texans on Sunday. Same thing. He didn't, you know, uh, fill up the stat sheet with sacks, but he was still effective. This is why the Broncos went out and grabbed Randy Gregory because of him making an impact. And sometimes you may not be the guy that make the play. You may just kind of turn it over and hand it off to someone else, but you're still making an impact. Right. Looking at this secondary specifically, Nick, how do you think they did without Justin Simmons, you know, their captain there? And, you know, Pastor Tan, who left in the middle of the game with a shoulder injury, I thought they looked pretty good, even without those two stars. Yeah, you know, I, I know the concern was uh, Caden Stearns. How was yeah. he going to do? I was never concerned about it. Right. Because in year one, Caden Stearns received a lot of playing time. And he showed he did. His, his, what his ability was as a player and he is as oh. a player. And he just went in and he made tackles. He was in the right spot. And it was great when we when you don't have to talk about a player, that means that a player is doing a great yeah. job. So for me, that was something that I was trying to keep an eye on. Now, when PS2 went out, that's when I was wondering, like, okay, well, how are the Broncos secondary mm-hmm. going to handle this? Because Damari Mathis, who I still think is a highly skilled young talent, he's going to be great in the league. But when you come in the game cold, not knowing you're going to play, you, you always right. wonder, did that guy actually study? Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of a concern. Most guys, when they're they're not getting a lot of reps in practice, they don't study as though they were going to be a starter. But I thought he came in. I thought he did a great job. He uh, facing Brandon Cooks. Yeah, he learned a lot, right? And when I look at failure, I don't look at it the same as everyone else. I look at failure as a lesson. So they, I mean, he won some plays. He lost some plays. The idea is that he's getting this much needed experience right before we have to face. San Francisco 49ers, and right now PS2 is what? I think he's day by day. day. Yeah, Yeah. we we don't don't know. So Mathis having that experience, man, I think it bodes well for the defense and for him. Definitely, yep. Both Pat Sertan and Jerry Judy are day by day. That's what head coach Nathaniel Hackett said yesterday. Everyone's keeping their fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I know that they'll be back for Sunday, but we'll have to see. Nick, last question for you here. You know, being a former player, how do you think this team really approaches this week and What's the mindset for them heading into Sunday when they got to face a, a tough 49ers team? Well, first of all, I want to highlight three players. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson, because he's played against San Francisco several yeah. times. Good point. I just happened to coach against him when I was working for San Francisco. <laughs> You're talking about DJ Jones oh, and yeah. Kwan Williams. Mm-hmm. Facing your old team, you, 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 like we saw it with Russ, you, you want to get up for that game. You want to show them what they missed out on. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure those two guys, K1 and DJ, they want to have a great showing here in Broncos uniforms. Mm-hmm. So when, when I look at this upcoming game, and you, you have to take everything in stride. Uh, you look at San Francisco in that situation, Trey Lance, he went down with a season in the ankle injury. Now, John here on the spot, Jimmy Garoppolo now yeah. gets his starting job back. And there's a guy that uh, he has playoff experience, right? Right. And now he's looking to kind of rekindle and get back on track as far as with the, with the 49ers or anyone else. Yeah. And he's looking at the Broncos to help him do it. Also, George Kittle hasn't played in two games. Yeah, he's been injured. Right. So this may be the game that he plays. But this is where you right. look at. Caden Stearns, where he's going to really have to grow up against Mm -hmm. their run game and George Kittle. A lot to watch for on Sunday. Nick, I appreciate your time and your insight. Uh, Thank you, Conley.
Following Sunday's 16-9 win, several players spoke to the media in the locker room. We heard from outside linebacker Bradley Chubb, and he detailed the defense's performance and what it's like playing alongside Randy Gregory. Win is a win. Once you have, whenever you get in that win column, men are shifts. Everybody uh, has a smile on their face. Everybody's pushing forward. And um, I know we're going to look, like I said, look at these mistakes and clean them all up. There's too many penalties, too many uh, rush yards in, in our opinion. So at the end of the day, man, we just got to be, uh, we have a standard that we set. We just got to live up to it even more. You see how tall and long that dude is, man? Like, you just, it's easy, you know what I'm saying, being on the other side of him and seeing the things he does, the offensive tackles and closing the game out with the strip sack, man. It's just, uh, like I said, it's a blessing to be on the same line, on the same, with, uh, with even Dre, with even DJ, all those guys in the middle, uh, Deshaun. So it's just been fun, man, rushing as one, being uh, on the same accord and, and just keep pushing. Safety Kareem Jackson also chimed in on the defense's performance, specifically the secondary and how they looked without Justin Simmons. I think we played well. Um, like I said earlier in the week, I mean, Caden Stearns played a, a lot of ball for us, you know, and last year. Um, smart, instinctive, you know, um, obviously there's no replacing Justin and what he does for this defense, you know, his leadership, you know, as well as his playmaking ability. But, uh, I mean, we, we pride ourselves on the next guy stepping in and being able to, you know, uh, come out and, and, and play at a high level, you know, with no drop-offs. So, um, I mean, I think as a group we played well today. I mean, obviously, you have to look at the film to to really be able to determine it. But, um, I mean, all in all, you know, it, it felt good to get in the win column. And on the other side of the ball, tight end Eric Saubert discussed his touchdown and the offensive effort. We're of the always improving mindset, so we're going to keep getting better every single week. Uh, like I said, it's scary what we can do. Uh, you know, we get rid of those penalties, we execute in the Renzo, we're going to be a really good team. I mean, that's what it's about, how you respond. Uh, that's, what, that's what makes great teams, you know, so... Uh, that's what we're going to continue to do. We're going to continue to improve, continue to respond. So, Well, that'll do it for today's episode of Broncos Now. Broncos Country, thanks so much for tuning in today and every day. The team will be back at practice tomorrow, so make sure to meet me right back here on the Broncos Podcast Network and YouTube for another edition tomorrow evening. I'll see you all then.